pay-per-click, keywords, optimization, so much to get your head round if you're trying to attract customers when they search online. So we're here to help with tactics to really sweat your digital budget. As we cut a sway through that online search jungle. Welcome to the latest edition of Business Class Money Minutes, powered by American Express. Hello, I'm Nigel Cassidy. And I'm Kate Bassett. And on this podcast, we're here with great ideas on how to boost your brand and your bottom line by converting searchers into loyal customers. So let's get started. The three golden rules, landing page relevancy, keyword insertions into your adverts, and then the structure of the campaign so that if Google can see you're being clicked on as a high click-through rate, CTR, then it knows you're relevant and it rewards you by giving you lower priced clicks. In a similar fashion, if you start appearing and you're not getting clicked on very often, it's going to impede you and effectively penalize you and charge you through the roof. So if you start seeing those keywords that are viable and you can save another 20% on a cost per click, then you've automatically increased your margin in terms of profitability. That's really the importance is making sure that when you set things up, you set them up right so that you start off well. That would be my golden rule. We've great guests like Andrew Jacobs, who brought his frontline experience with Google to an award-winning mattress company. It is important to analyze not only how you can make your own website text content more relevant to better match the intent of the user searching for your products or services, but also identified all of those opportunities based on your industry and characteristics in those search results to leverage them, to be included and to maximize the visibility of your presence over Google search results. And that's top blogger Aleida Solis, who's worked with a string of startups and great brands like Kipling, Under Armour and Seven for All Mankind. You know, Kate, it's hard to imagine business life, well, life itself without internet search, but it actually came in around 25 years ago, if you can remember that time, partying like it's 1999. I can remember partying in 1999 to the Spice Girls, I think. Digital advertising has evolved at a mind-boggling pace since then, and there's a long list of technical jargon and acronyms for businesses to get their heads around. And it really does help if you can get across the lingo. So should we start with a quick rundown of some key terms? PPC stands for pay per click. You pay only when a potential customer clicks on your ad. There's SEO, which stands for search engine optimization. It's simply the process of increasing the quantity and quality of traffic to your website. And keywords, they're the terms added to online content to push up your search engine rankings. And if you want to know how much bang you're getting for your digital marketing buck, the key metric is ROAS, return on ad spend. ROAS measures how much your business earns for every pound spent on ad campaigns. Great. Well, so now we're all up to speed. Let's bring on our first guest. And he really knows his stuff, having worked as a senior consultant at the world's biggest online advertising company, Google. And he's using those skills as a digital marketing manager at Otty Sleep, an award-winning mattress-in-a-box brand. Welcome, Andrew Jacobs. Thank you. You are up against an awful lot of other companies that sell mattresses, and people who are buying them, I assume, are all at different stages of that customer journey. So, I mean, how do you get people on board? Just tell us a bit about how you grab customers from the initial search. You can apply this to any product, not just mattresses. It's about understanding, first of all, what you bring to the table for that particular product. If you're not unique and there are other people doing things differently, 
is your service better is your product of a slightly higher quality to justify its price lots of things that you can think about what you've then got to do is apply that and understand what somebody's looking for we arguably have a product that can be sold to anybody because most households in the UK will have a mattress and people will sleep on it. So how do you then define not to have wastage because why would somebody not buy my mattress? Well, first of all, price point. So we can try and justify a keyword by adding longer tail keywords to make sure that we rule those things out. So if somebody's looking for cheap mattress, we put a negative on the word cheap in our account because it's unlikely they're gonna want our product because it doesn't sit in that particular description. Similarly, other things that are make our product unique it's a hybrid mattress. So immediately, yes, there's less search volume on that keyword, but it's intrinsic to our product. So we can automatically say, if somebody's typing in hybrid mattress, they've already done some research to understand what hybrid means, which is springs and foam. And therefore, they're already some way down the educational route of knowing that they want a product that is a hybrid. That's a grade A keyword for us. And that's what you've got to work out is, looking at all of the keywords in your keyword universe that you could possibly use, you can start to segment them into golden eggs the sort of category a where they're really descriptive they're on point exactly what you sell or do you take a risk and go for a less more vague keyword like the word mattress which then encompasses everybody else you've got to picky fights and for us that may be a fight too far because it's too generic so can you give us some idea how much you spend on specifically grabbing customers through search? So what is the investment as a proportion of all you spend and what returns do you get? It's quite difficult to quantify because you can use it in many ways on display activities by using contextual overlays so that you're putting your uh, visibility in front of people who are in market for a mattress. But from a direct search perspective, I'd probably say about 25% of our budget is in PPC, the traditional sense of somebody's looking for something, you appear against that search query. And is it all on Google? Uh, No, you don't have to just use Google these days. You can actually use other partners and very much like the display network inside Google is only about 55% coverage because of of what it has in terms of ad space. You can go outside of that and use the other 45% elsewhere. So we use a separate company for remarketing. We use a separate company for, for display to get the entire reach rather than just Google's own network. In a similar fashion for shopping, we use a different company as well to Google because we don't just want to appear on Google searches, but other search engines that aren't part of the Google remit. So if you're looking for reach, Google is a big player, absolutely. But you've got Bing that's just as important, about 18, 20% of the market of that. So dismissing them, it would be foolhardy because there's potential reach out there, especially with a slightly older audience of which sits quite nicely for us. Bing outperforms not on a volume level, but on a ROAS level for us. So that's really good to have as well. So you mentioned that um, around 25% of your marketing budget is spent on pay-per-click. What kind of returns would you expect on that? What kind of benchmarks do you use? Well, it's different for everybody. But what I would say is you need to think about what the campaign is doing. If it's sitting at the fine end, the remarketing end, then you must have a much more stringent ROAS return. That would be a return on ad spend. So whatever you're spending, let's say you spend a pound on a click, then you might want to say the business wants to get at least £10 back. So the ROAS would be 10. People use other metrics. ROI is similar, but ROI is return on investment. So that's including the cost of the product 
ROAS is the difference between the two. ROAS is purely what have you spent, what have you made in revenue before you take off VAT, before you take off the cost of the product. That's the difference there. Something that sits at the final end, the closer, if you like, like remarketing, should have a much higher ROAS expectancy than something that sits at the other end, which is prospecting. And then depending on how warm you get further down and down, you then put your own set of rules of what's working because then you've got a benchmark so you can see right well it would be unfair to put a brand term in with a non-brand term because they're at different parts of the journey in order to get a brand term somebody's got to discover you first on another keyword or another channel so again much more harder ROAS expectancy on brand search terms than you would on a non-brand and that's what you've got to evaluate is knowing where that keyword comes in if it introduces it that's valuable but you're never going to get the same return as a remarketing keyword for obvious reasons so you have to be more fair and it's about distributing a sensible target for each campaign depending on where it sits in order for you to really get a holistic overall ROAS for the business. So what kind of metrics do you look at how do you monitor every little change that you might make with uh, how you use search in particular uh, to see you're getting good value for money? There are some things you can control and there's some things you can't control. What you can control is how you set up your campaigns. So Google's always lived and died by quality score. And that is a whole different mixture of things that you need to do in your account to make sure that you're relevant. So making sure that your ads include the keywords themselves. I know it sounds daft, but it is really a big massive difference in quality score if you can do that the landing page itself when it comes to certain keywords you want to make sure that your impression share is as high as possible because they're your best chance of conversion success Andrew tell us a bit about how the landscape's changing what do businesses need to look out for in particular with PPC search and a lot of other interfaces they're moving towards automation which in some respects can be a godsend because if you're constantly having to battle with adjusting minute price changes in CPC maximum bids, as you had to do in the old school days, that's taken out of your problems of going in and worrying about whether it's set too high or too low. That can be a great advantage. However, there are other systems in place with regards to how it collates conversions or what what you go after. So Google has these automated systems there you can maximize conversions you can maximize impression share and it's a bit of a minefield in terms of what's right for you there's a lot of research that's been done and i think they took a bit of a backward step for two ways in that the explanation of what you should be using and how you should be using it and for experience cpa should be kept to lead generation and roas targeting should be kept to ecom as a general rule of thumb if you're looking for a guidance on that Brand, I would say impression share so that you maximize your opportunity because you're pretty much certain that brand's going to be your best performing ROAS anyway. So if you're wondering as a general rule of thumb what to go for, that's a good tip as a general rule. So yeah, one of the things that Google's doing is sunsetting modified broad match. And that has a massive wake up call for a lot of people because broad match can be too broad. For example, with um, the term hybrid mattress, If I was to set that as phrase, the word hybrid and mattress have to be together in that search query. If I set it to broad, it could be springs and foam mattress, which would appear, which is fine. But then there are other things that would appear which aren't anywhere near the words hybrid mattress. And Google takes a bit too much of a presumption sometimes. By switching to phrase initially will be your safety net. It will mean you will get a reduction in the amount of traffic you will see. But it's safer sometimes to do that than to 
worry about what weird and wonderful phrases and sorry I've seen quite a few interesting ones where broad is set too broad um, and you get a lot of wastage instead. So Andrew you must have learned some great tips tricks and strategies while working as a senior consultant at Google could you share some of those with us? Well a lot of it is kind of doing your homework and understanding that the more you can get out of the system I revert back to quality score the three golden rules landing page relevancy keyword insertions into your adverts and then the structure of the campaign so that if Google can see you're being clicked on as a high click-through rate CTR then it knows you're relevant and it rewards you by giving you lower priced clicks in a similar fashion if you start appearing and you're not getting clicked on very often it's going to impede you and effectively penalize you and charge you through the roof so if you start seeing those keywords that are viable and you can save another 20% on a cost per click then you've automatically increased your margin in terms of profitability that's really the importance is making sure that when you set things up you set them up right so that you start off well that would be my golden rule Andrew thanks very much indeed an awful lot of experience there and of course it begins with those keywords that's right we heard that when it comes to keyword research you really need to understand what makes your product unique And we heard it's all about measuring the quality of your ads, checking that they're relevant, and there's Google's quality score, which you can use. After the break, top blogger and digital marketing brain box, Aleda Solis. On how every business has the potential to break out of online advertising mediocrity. And hopefully reap the returns. So don't go anywhere. No matter the size of your business, American Express has your back. Our range of business cards gives you greater control over your cash flow, so you'll have the flexibility to respond to change, chase opportunities, and keep growing. Plus, you can earn rewards from your day-to-day spend and invest it back into your business. Visit americanexpress.com slash uk slash business card to learn more. Terms apply. Welcome back to Business Class Money Minutes, powered by American Express. So, Nigel, I'm really looking forward to meeting our next guest. She's Aleda Solis, the founder of boutique digital marketing agency Arenti. Welcome, Aleda. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here today. Now, you've been helping brands optimize their search engine returns for, what, like a decade now. So I wonder if you could just sort of take us through how you work with a company, the kind of steps you take to turn things around for them. Pretty much the first step is always to identify and validate if SEO is actually the good match for them. Realistically, this is the first issue or challenge that many companies that start doing organic search optimization are not necessarily ready because organic search is pretty much to optimize and to invest into your website accessibility from search engines from Google so they can understand and assess your content. So your website is able to rank in the first positions of Google whenever potential customer or client is searching for what you offer. The most or the best visibility you have in organic search results in Google, the more chances you will have to bring more traffic, very qualified traffic of people actually looking for your products or services into your website. So you can convert them into customers and you can sell or yeah, provide any service that you want to offer. So right at the beginning, when you start that work with people, what can you tell them about how much they've got to spend and how it'll be audited so that they know that if they work with you to improve their performance, that they will see a return on their investment? The first thing to be aware with search engine optimization is that unlike other type of strategies like 
PPC, for example, or paid search or paid social in Facebook, for example, or with AdWords even, is that this is an investment. You're not paying for the traffic. So unlike AdWords, when you stop spending with them, they won't refer you traffic anymore. With search engine optimization, you invest in your website technical optimization, your content optimization, your, let's say, promotional link popularity, the popularity of your website in order to make it to become more of an authority within your field for the services or products that you provide. So Google will organically rank you better. Just give me an idea of the kind of return on investment you could expect from a company that was just not really appearing anywhere significant in search to a company that's regularly, you know, in the top three or four or something like that in your area or in your field. What sort of return could you expect? Once that you have optimized your content to be easily findable in search engines and, and become one of the top positions in, in rankings, Yes, your traffic can pretty much scale. And for that to assess how much you can get, it's pretty much like a validation of how many searches there are for your products or services in Google within your country. So for example, let's say that you're a gym in the UK and you have like a few gyms in London, right? So if the search volume of people looking for gyms in London are of 1 million searches per month or 100,000 searches per month, we can say if you're in the first position, you will pretty much get more or less 25% of those clicks. So that is the beauty of SEO, right? That it can allow you to scale like in a massive way, in a way that will compound over time. Elaida, it'd be great if you could share some of those secrets and strategies with us. What kind of pages tend to rank well? What are your tips on format and content? So it is indeed on ranking in the top positions, but also to make the most out of Google search features in search results. It is important to analyze not only how you can make your own website text content more relevant to better match the intent of the user searching for your products or services, but also identified all of those opportunities based on your industry and characteristics in those search results to leverage them, to be included and to maximize the visibility of your presence over Google search results. Keyword searches have become a very important uh, task for companies. How often should you be doing those? Well, I would recommend to do a validation of the search behavior and do a keyword research, let's say at least once per quarter, because usually you tend to see like very prominent searches that have a very high search volume. And you can see the trend over time. This is anomaly over time. But let's say that sometimes certain events can happen like COVID and all of a sudden after a couple of months, all the search behavior within your area or within your sector can change, right? Which did happen last year, right? So I would highly recommend at least once per quarter to do this sort of validations. And then on the other hand, in SEO, there is this additional, let's say, layer for popularity, popularity and authority that is given prominently by links, backlinks. The links from a website to another one are seen by Google as if they were votes, right? So the more links I have from other websites, the more of an authority I am in my field, or the more popular I am. So Google will tend to rank better not only websites that are more comprehensive and provide better answer from a content perspective, but also that are more popular and authoritative in a given field. 
So exactly how many backlinks should you have on a page? It depends on how many backlinks your competitors have. An example, maybe you have 1 million backlinks or a particular page that you want to rank, right? For a competitive query. So for example, wedding bands, an example, right? And you say, oh, 1 million backlinks to that particular page. That sounds like a lot. But then you realize that the pages that are ranking you that are in the top positions have 5 millions, right? So the 1 million backlinks in that particular context won't be enough. It's, it's too little. And is there a way of working out how many backlinks a competitor has? Yes, of course. So Google will give you this information about your own site completely for free. And let's say that this is the official information that they will give you through the Google Search Console, which is completely free, by the way. If you don't have yet registered through the Google Search Console, do it so, because Google will provide through this tool for understanding your clicks, evolution, your rankings, uh, indexability issues, which pages are shown or not, etc. even your backlinks data and aggregated number of them is provided there for completely for free. But if you want to take a look at how many backlinks your competitors have, the other players, whatever website out there, you can very well use third-party tools. So SEMrush is a very well-known platform to give Majestic is another one. Href is another one. So there are SEO tools nowadays. Most of them will try to give you this information in one way or another. And these players that I mentioned before are the top ones for this. Aleda, thanks so much. Uh, Kate, what did we take away from that? So I learned that you can't rest on your laurels here. You need to do keyword research at least every quarter to track trends and changes in search behaviour. Yeah, everything's changing all the time. And we learned that those backlinks are pretty crucial. They can help you rank higher in search engines. And you can use the Google Search Console to find out how your competitors are doing. And I loved Aleda's comment. The beauty of SEO is that it can allow you to scale in a massive way. And now let's move on to our final guest. He's a real expert on how SMEs can get their brands discovered online. He's David Gavin, Head of Digital Growth at Ad People, one of the UK's largest digital marketing agencies. So David, are there any tips on how companies can split their budget? Are there any general rules of thumb they need to know about? Well, we try and advise most businesses that we work with to be as aggressive as possible at the start of the journey. So whatever consideration, you know, annual budget or quarterly budget, we try and recommend that they push as much of that into the, the front end of that advertising as possible to fuel those fires. As a rule of thumb, we're looking for really about 20% of the annual turnover as an investment in their advertising. We'd prefer a larger proportion of that to go into pay-per-click just because it's a more immediate return. And that can then, you know, provide more cash flow to invest in SEO over a longer period. Generally speaking, we want about 60 to 65% of whatever spends available in a pay-per-click advertising mechanism, and then the remainder into search engine optimization and that longer goal. And for companies that only have a really tiny budget to put into this, what should they prioritize? So companies who have a smaller budget, first of all, need to check that it's competitive enough to work. And that's the most important thing. So getting advice from somebody you know, can do a, a maybe a forecasting plan, maybe a historic analysis over competitors and what they've spent and, and what the average cost per click is on relevant search terms. But absolutely, Google Ads is the place to start. Like I say, it's the pull type advertising. Somebody already knows what they want when they go to search. So by being there, you've got a good chance of connecting with them and getting some custom, which in turn allows you then to spend more money. You know, you see the, the, the grass shoots and you can start to invest heavier. This snowball effect is created. And are there any particular benchmarks per activity, David? So what kind of return would you be looking at for pay-per-click versus SEO, for example? 
Well, in general, across all advertising, you're looking for at least a three times return on your investment before you can start to scale up that advertising and invest more money into it. So that's the general rule that we apply, the, the rule of 3x. Obviously, it does depend on the appetite of the business person themselves, the owner of that account. The difference between the pay-per-click and the SEO is the immediacy, so the timeline to the effect. You know, pay-per-click is extremely controllable and almost immediate as soon as you turn on your campaign, as long as that advert is approved by Google's back-end team, then that could be displayed within the next 24 hours. And you could be returning your investment within 24 hours. As soon as somebody sees that ad and clicks on that ad, you can get action from it. Whereas with SEO, you have to bed in the work. It has to be allowed to mature first. Google need to recognize that effort and then display that to the customers. And that can take a couple of months before you really see the fruits of that labor. David, could you bring this to life for us and just give us an example of a company that you've worked with and how they've put this into practice? Yeah, I've got quite a recent example. These guys have recently seen you know, amazing results since April 2020 last year, really keen on improving the performance of their existing shopping campaigns. They decided that we would team up together. They would allow us to run it for them. At the time of coming on board, they had a very small investment and not much return with it. And the vision was to really expand the brand. So they had their products feeding through to a Google AdWords account. And this account would then display the products and the prices to users who search for those similar search terms on Google. So these are shopping ads that are displayed in the search. Uh, you've probably seen them, it comes up. Normally you'll get a banner and it's pictures and then they've got the price and a short description underneath. And you can click on it and go straight to the products and buy it. So this is what they were doing at the time. When they joined us, they'd made £151 revenue. It was a small investment, but a very small return. We wanted to allow them to be more competitive. We did have to discuss with them what the budget needed to be. So we increased the budget quite substantially in order to compete in that market. And then we segmented all the products out into different campaigns. And, you know, by January 2021, we'd helped them achieve more than £16,000 of revenue through that advertising campaign and about 11,000% increase in year-on-year revenue. So what kind of investment did that involve then? We started off with what we would call, you know, baby steps, really. So in the region of £20-£30 a day, Uh, And then we slowly grew the account to to more than £150 a day with confidence that it was going to return and they would at least make the money. And then so year on year, I believe their conversions were up by around 28,000% since joining ad people and starting the campaign. And that is direct and indirect. What are the actual things that people are doing where their money is wasted, where they're paying a lot more to get more clicks, to get more uh, searches through, to get more people uh, visiting them, but uh, they don't actually result in more sales? Digital marketing is a dark art. And I think that a lot of the mistakes that we see are people trying to do it themselves. You're picking the wrong agency and those agencies aren't applying best practice They're not using experience and techniques that they've learned and been coached on and tried and tested to actually put into effect a good strategy for that client. So you see a lot of spend in the wrong direction, a lot of broad matching search terms and with the wrong search match types. So there's different ways of putting a search term in your campaign, one of which is called broad matching. And that really opens it up to all the different spellings, connotations and context of that search term. And really, What you want to do is try and control that and close off those alternate markets, those crossover markets, and really control what people can type in to find you. And that means your money just goes in the right direction. The other major mistake is tracking issues. 
So we see a lot of clients who don't actually have the right tracking data coming through. You know, it's either not connected to the website properly, or it's not triggering on inquiries or conversions properly, or they're missing out on actions, so not tracking phone calls or emails or cart completions properly. And that means that you can't make smart decisions about where your money goes. You have to have accurate data if you're going to optimize the campaign and make the most of it. Thank you very much, David. Well, an awful lot to take from that, Kate. Um, And certainly, it's a dark art, isn't it? It's quite hard to DIY all this. And uh, you need to take a lot of care, particularly with specified search terms, because if you get the wrong ones, it can cost you dearly. You also need to think about how you split your budget. So we heard that Google Ads is a quick win, but SEO takes more time to bed in and mature. So many thanks to our three great guests, Andrew Jacobs, David Gavin and Aleda Solis. Make sure you check out the Business Class Trends and Insights Hub for the latest articles and videos on everything related to small business finances at americanexpress.com slash uk slash business class. And don't forget to subscribe to Business Class Money Minutes, which you'll find wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an edition. Until next time, from me and Nigel here at Business Class Money Minutes, goodbye and take care. <laughs>